Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 8, 1 through 17, called The King That Carries Our Burdens. The title of our message is The King That Carries Our Burdens. We're going to look at an evening scene that uh, we'll come back, we'll backtrack on it in a moment, but let's stand to our feet if you're able to stand with us. We're going to read the last couple of verses together and then we'll we'll come back and tackle verses 1 through 17. So this is Matthew 8, 16 and 17. It says, when evening came, as the sun was setting, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast the spirits out, cast out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill, and this has been Matthew's pattern early in the book of Matthew. He'll go back and tell us how this fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Father, as we think about the ministry of Jesus, we know that we are seeing God. When we we see Jesus operating, we're seeing the heart of God, the touch of God, the love of God, the truth of God. And thank you that you came down on a rescue mission, Lord, and you came and entered into our pain. And we live in a broken world, and back in the first century, as well as the one we live in, Lord, there's a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and a lot of question marks and and, and we need to know what you have to say about this and how we understand the, uh, the idea of healing. And when people don't get healed, how do we make sense of that? And I pray that you would give us understanding and ears to hear what you would say to your people in this hour. I pray you be glorified in the way it's taught and in the way we respond to it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. You can have a seat. There's a couple of bookend uh, passages I want you to see. If you flip back a few pages in your Bible to Matthew 4, 23. So what we have here is kind of a summary of Jesus's ministry leading into the Sermon on the Mount where we've been for the last several Sundays. Matthew 4, 23 puts it this way. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. That's the upper part of Israel. Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's our, been our big theme for the book of Matthew and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And it's no surprise that news about him spread throughout all Syria. That's the nation to the north of Israel. They brought to Jesus all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them all. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, that's the 10 cities, and Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So you can see from many different regions, people were flocking to Jesus. And we have a pause in our narrative here from that mission and all that healing going on to what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus goes up on the mountain. That starts in chapter 5 and moves us to 5 through 7. And Jesus taught that famous sermon. Warren Wiersbe does a great job laying out kind of big picture strokes in books of the Bible. He says, Matthew chapters one through four is the person of Christ. Chapters five through seven are the principles of Christ or the kingdom. 
In chapters 8 and 9, we're going to see the power of Christ. We're going to see uh, 10 miracle accounts in chapters 8 and 9, but he does many more miracles than that because we're going to have some kind of summary text. And this is another one to bookend the other side. This is Matthew 9. If you flip over there, a very similar description of what Jesus did, Matthew 9, 35. And it kind of sums up these two chapters that focus on healing and the power of the king. It says, 9.35 of Matthew, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. There's that theme again. Healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, Matthew 9.36, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He doesn't say, pray that the gospel is more powerful or effective or the kingdom message is more powerful or effective. He says, therefore beseech or pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest, send out more workers into the harvest field. Now back to Matthew chapter eight, we have that summary verse in verse 17. We'll come back to it, but we are dealing with a message called the king that carries our burdens. That's Jesus, the king that carries our burdens. And within the structure of our particular section today, verses one through 17, we have three healing stories. We're gonna see the healing of a leper, the healing of a centurion servant who was a Roman or a Gentile, a non-Jew. And then we're gonna see the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And then we're gonna have kind of a summary of all these people flocking to Jesus. We learn from the gospel of Mark that the accounts that happened before the sun set on this day, it was a Sabbath day. And Jesus was in the synagogue earlier in the day and there was a man who was possessed and Jesus delivered him within the actual building of the synagogue. And uh, this was part of what he did, but it alarmed people when Jesus healed on the Sabbath because the religious elite of the day were concerned that he was maybe breaking the Sabbath and questions went back and forth. And Jesus loved to ruffle the feathers of the religious elite uh, because that's how he was. He wasn't concerned about, you know, the ritual. He was concerned about the heart of God, the heart of the law, the heart of people. And so when he had come down, Matthew 8, 1, from the mountain, that is from preaching the famous Sermon on the Mount, Great multitudes followed Jesus. We don't know the numbers, but we do know that the Gospels record that at one point he feeds 5,000 plus women and children. And then in another region, he feeds 4,000 plus women and children. And scholars would say the women and children probably represent maybe as much as 15,000 people that had flocked to Jesus and followed him. Now, not everybody's motive was pure, some people simply followed Jesus for the excitement. Maybe friends were going there. It was the coolest, latest happening. Maybe some people were going hoping for healing, which is completely understandable. You can imagine that, you know, everybody who heard about this, if you had a friend that was sick, if you had a personal uh, health issue, that you would want to do everything you could to, to get to Jesus. And there were great crowds. And Jesus says in Matthew 12, 28, that his deliverance of Individuals, if you want to just take a peek at this verse, 1228, his casting out of demons, his healing of people. He says these words, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, and he's addressing the religious elite who said he was working according to Satan's power, which was blasphemy. 
He says, if I cast out 1228 demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And we're watching the king and the kingdom now operate. We're watching the king of the universe come down to his creation, the ones made in his image, and he is healing left and right. The king comes down. It's a beautiful picture of the truth of what happened in redemption history. The king came down from heaven into our broken world. He entered into our pain. He came He became one of us. He lived and moved among us. He was headed to the cross. But as he was doing his earthly ministry, he was relieving burdens. He was compassionate. He was full of mercy and love. He was also full of truth and justice. And he put some people in their place and he annoyed some people. And there were other people that surprisingly uh, he showed great compassion. And the first healing account is found in verse 2. It begins in verse 2. And it is a leper who approaches him. Behold, it's as if Ma- Matthew says, the camera turns, look, a leper. The Greek word lepra speaks of a disfiguring skin condition. This man came to Jesus and bowed down. Now, a leper in that day carried a disease that would be comparable a few years back to the AIDS uh, virus or the HIV AIDS virus, especially when we didn't know a whole lot about it. Uh, the most, the terrible, most terrible plight you could have of a physical disease in the history of Israel and in the first century was to contract leprosy. They didn't know a lot about it back in the day, but leprosy would manifest on your skin. It would sometimes show shining spots on your skin. And what it did, it, was, it, it would desensitize, desensitize your nerve endings so that you couldn't really feel pain. So lepers were often missing digits or uh, parts of their ear because they could hurt themselves, burn their hand. An animal could be chewing on their ear at night and they wouldn't know it because they'd become desensitized to pain. And leprosy was a terrible disease and it not only desensitized you to pain, but it separated you from the community. What they had is leper colonies. And if you were a leper, you had to live with other lepers separate from, even if you were married, you couldn't be with your spouse, your kids, your immediate family. You had to live in a leper colony. And if you went out in public, you had to cover your face and announce to people that you were unclean. So you'd be walking somewhere perhaps and you had to say, unclean, unclean. And there were people who would keep their distance from you. They didn't want to touch you breathe the air that you were putting out, whatever it might be. It was a terrible existence. And it was really known as an incurable disease. There are two healings of leprosy in the Old Testament. Miriam, Moses' sister, uh, what appears to be the truth of that text is that she was healed of leprosy. And then there was a Gentile, Naaman the Syrian commander, who the prophet told him to dip in the Jordan seven times, and he, he was healed of leprosy. But outside of that, we don't really know of a case where someone contracts this terrible disease and then gets healed from it. Although the Old Testament does lay out uh, a ritual or a cleansing process or an acknowledgement of a healing for a leper in the book of Leviticus. We'll talk about that in a second. So, I want you to imagine the scene. You have large crowds here, thousands and thousands of people, and a leper shows up and is moving through the crowds, and he's not supposed to be there. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. An animal could be chewing on their ear at night and they wouldn't know it because they've become desensitized to pain. And leprosy was a terrible disease and it not only desensitized you to pain, but it separated you from the community. What they had is leper colonies. And if you were a leper, you had to live with other lepers separate from, even if you were married, you couldn't be with your spouse, your kids, your immediate family. You had to live in a leper colony. And if you went out in public, You had to cover your face and announce to people that you were unclean. So you'd be walking somewhere perhaps and you had to say, unclean, unclean. And there were people who would keep their distance from you. They didn't want to touch you, breathe the air that you were putting out, whatever it might be. It was a terrible existence and it was really known as an incurable disease. There are two healings of leprosy in the Old Testament. Miriam, Moses' sister, Uh, what appears to be the truth of that text is that she was healed of leprosy. And then there was a Gentile, Naaman, the Syrian commander, who the prophet told him to dip in the Jordan seven times, and he, he was healed of leprosy. But outside of that, we don't really know of a case where someone contracts this terrible disease and then gets healed from it. Although the Old Testament does lay out, uh, a ritual or a cleansing process or a Acknowledgement of a healing for a leper in the book of Leviticus. We'll talk about that in a second. So I want you to imagine the scene. You have large crowds here, thousands and thousands of people, and a leper shows up and is moving through the crowds, and he's not supposed to be there. He's not supposed to be that close to people. He's not supposed to you know, expose others to his dreaded disease. And I would imagine filling in some of the blanks that people recognized who he was and were probably screaming at him. Get out of here. Get lost. Get back to that colony. We don't want you here. Don't you expose us to your terrible disease. But no one wanted to touch him either. So nobody roughed him up or pushed him away. And the leper somehow made his way, and maybe it's kind of like the sea parted because people didn't want to be near him, and he came to Jesus. And notice he bowed down. The the Greek word proskuneo is rendered in the New King James Bible as he worshiped him. He was at the feet of Jesus, on his knees, on his face, and he said these famous words, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this is a beautiful act of worship, and I think it's nothing less than worship. 
And on a side note, I want you to see that Jesus on multiple occasions in the New Testament receives worship from people. When you read the book of Revelation, you hear angels say, don't, don't bow down to me. I'm just a fellow servant. And you'll watch the apostles in the book of Acts. Don't sacrifice to us. Don't bow down to us. We're men like you. But Jesus receives worship, which means Jesus is God. You can't call Jesus a good prophet or a good moral teacher, as some people do, and see him receiving worship and not saying, hey, get up. You're mistaken. No, he receives the worship. And the leper probably disfigured, probably, you know, in very poor health. He would have a hoarse voice because a hoarse voice is a typical manifestation of the disease of leprosy, said maybe something like this, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And there's a beautiful truth in our theology of healing that I want you to understand because we're going to wrestle a little bit with some of the doctrine out there about healing. Does God always heal? And how do we understand disease and suffering and death? And we'll talk about some of that stuff. But I want you to see that the leper, the first portrait of healing of three, had faith, but he also bowed to God's sovereignty. Do you see it? If you are willing. Now, I don't believe that it's a cop-out. I believe it's very biblical to pray, Lord, your will be done. Jesus taught that in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the garden, when we get there, Jesus will ask the Father to remove the cup of the cross from him. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Anyone who tries to tell you that praying, you know, praying a fervent prayer, but then praying your will be done as a cop out is uninformed and ignorant of the Bible. It doesn't mean you don't have faith because you pray God's will be done. Let me give you an example. We have a woman in our fellowship who can't come here anymore because she's bedridden. And she can't get out of bed and she's been suffering uh, with a paralysis for quite a long time since, since I've known her. But do you know she writes my wife and I cards on birthdays and special occasions. She prays. She ministers to many people though she can't get out of bed. She may be watching right now. She knows who she is. And I'll just say, do you think that that takes faith? I, I would say that takes more faith than someone who maybe in this crowd got healed but didn't really walk with the Lord afterwards. And do you know that the town where much of this happens, Jesus, it's called Capernaum, he will condemn that city. And he will say, if the miracles that occurred in this city would have occurred in Sodom and Gomorrah or other places, those people would have repented long ago. But you... Capernaum, and he condemns the city where many of his miracles were done. Physical healing does not guarantee that someone's going to walk with the Lord as king, walk with the Lord as Lord of their life. Sometimes we just want a quick out, we'll do whatever it takes, and then we move on. That's not what the Lord wants for your life. He is compassionate, but ultimately, if you're going to call God God, you're going to have to bow to his will. Lord, would you be willing to make me clean? I know you can, but I understand something about you. I know that you're the king. Uh, you've manifested your power. Your reputation goes before you. Maybe the leper was watching from a distance as Jesus delivered somebody or maybe multiple people. He had faith, 
But he asked the Lord if you were willing. And you can kind of see a little bit of what his life was like. He was used to being a cast out. He was used to going places, people saying, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. Go back to your leper colony. What would the Lord do? I'm sure the apostles were looking on saying, Lord, no, no, don't touch him. He's unclean, Lord, don't do it. But they knew how he was, right? Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The guy's disfigured, hoarse, maybe missing limbs or digits. And what does our Lord do? Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Before Jesus says anything, before he responds to the inquiry, he touched him. It's a double emphasis here from Matthew. He reached out. He's probably bowed down. Maybe his head is low to the ground and he touched him. And you can hear the Pharisees in the crowd and maybe the apostles, no, no, don't. Because you know what happens? If, if you're a normal person and you touch a leper, you're ceremonially unclean. They pass that uncleanness to you. And then you're supposed to go through this ritual to become clean again. But Jesus reached out and touched him. And notice our Lord. He said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I don't know if fingers grew back. I don't know how his face changed. I don't know how his voice Changed, but some of the movie makers have tried to capture, you know, these images of a leper, you know, messed up from the disease, and then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, he becomes whole again. And Jesus cleanses him. That's the language used for leprosy. It's not really couched as healing, it's, it's couched as a cleansing. And leprosy has been described as an image or a picture of what sin does to us. Sin desensitizes us to God's voice. We get harder and harder layers on our heart. Sin ultimately is deadly. It's going to kill us. This is why we are sick, why we live in a fallen world, because the wages of sin is death. This is why we get sick. This is why we die, because we sinned against God. We live, sadly, in a situation of a curse because we rebelled against our God, because we wanted to do it our way. You've been listening to The King That Carries Our Burdens, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, here we are. We have a new year in front of us, and the clock keeps ticking. <laughs> and maybe you're someone who's young, you're just starting out, maybe you're middle-aged, or maybe you are a saint who's older, and you're looking at the new year, and maybe the singular thing that you feel is burdened. I know when the holiday season 
is past us. All of a sudden, you know, we think about, you know, taking down decorations and getting ready for a new year. And maybe it feels like there's not a ton to look forward to. You know, Christmas, there's a pretty big buildup for many and then a bit of a letdown. And now what do we do? Well, in this brand new year, we're talking about the king that bears our burdens. Jesus Christ, our burden-bearing king. And when Matthew talks about Jesus, he takes us back to the book of Isaiah 53 and tells us how Jesus entered into our pain and came to touch and heal. He's so good, and this is what we celebrate. This, this is why the gospel is such good news, and it doesn't matter if it's December 24th or January 2nd. Uh, we can move forward in Jesus, casting our cares to him, because, please hear me, he cares for you. He loves you. That's why he came. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. Give it to him afresh in this new year. If we can help you in any way, would you reach out to us? We have a phone number, 844-48-TRUTH, that you can call. But, you know, as things are just getting ramped up for the new year, and if we're not in the office, you can send us a message. It can be done through the website, walkintruth.com. In the comments section, go ahead and tell us what your prayer need may be. Maybe if you reopened your heart to the Lord, we'd love to know. Walkintruth.com. We're looking forward to an exciting year where we are putting out truth and hopefully uh, breaking into new territory. Would you pray with us? Would you come alongside us? Walkintruth.com. But right now, I just want to leave you with this idea. Jesus Christ, daily bearing our burdens. He's so good. Give him your burdens today. Give him your burdens afresh and I know he'll carry you through. We love you all. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, called The King That Carries Our Burdens. Hey, I'm Mike Massaro, and on behalf of Pastor Michael Lands and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, Happy New Year, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.